Welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the web's most sustainable podcast and your premier destination for expert insights into the global hydrogen sector. Dive into our informative series as we explore the latest advancements, news, and trends in the realm of sustainable energy. H2 Tech is a leading source of up-to-date, compelling discussions around hydrogen technology. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest installment of H2 Tech Talk. Today, we'll be joined by Andre Zinoviev, uh, CEO of Ultra Motors. How are you doing today, Andre? Uh, thanks for ha having me, Tyler. Doing great. Um, and hope to have a very interesting podcast with you. Absolutely. Um, so I know you're the CEO, Andre, but um, do you want to give the audience a brief, maybe your background, um, how you came into this space and, you know, uh, plans for the future? Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, it's it's not my first company, but it's the first company that uh, I'm in love with uh, because maybe it's the first uh, time uh, I asked myself all the difficult questions before I started the company. The question is like, what is it that I want to uh, devote myself to, to the next for the next 10, 15, maybe 20 years? And the answers came naturally. Uh, it, it, my business. Um, needs to be uh, needs to be for some greater good and this greater good is uh, to me it's the environment uh, and there's a bunch of ways you can improve the environment um, and I figured that you can leverage the limited resources uh, most in trucking because trucking is really dirty and by replacing a single diesel truck, you can cut as much as uh, 100,000 uh, CO2 emissions per year with a, with a one single truck. And it, it, it really is impressive. And this is the, the core driver behind, uh, behind this company. So what we're trying to do is uh, make trucking cleaner by building a hybrid electric truck that can run um, hydrogen and other uh, low carbon or carbon neutral fuels. Fair enough. So, Andre, how do you see the core challenges of commercial transportation? Uh, I don't think the core challenges have changed much for the last decades. Uh, what I mean by that is in commercial transportation, um, the, 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 the only important thing is how much you spend on transportation. Um, so the cheaper you can haul goods, the better. And uh, vehicle manufacturers, truck manufacturers in particular, uh, their job is to provide the machines to make uh, transportation reliable and cost efficient. So probably the only thing that 
um, has added to that puzzle is now that's not enough. Uh, you have to also be sustainable, which is great. Uh, but the, the, the tricky part here is when you try to move from diesel trucks, which are well tested and uh, very reliable, when you try to move away to uh, electric powertrains, to hybrid electric powertrains, uh, to hydrogen trucks, um, it's not easy to offer the same um, the same cost effectiveness especially it is hard to do that in in, in the long haul segment because uh, it, and that's quite obvious if you are trying to uh, develop an urban uh, delivery truck you can place a relatively small battery um, a couple of motors and it will not be hard to accomplish um, the task. But if you want to decarbonize the long haul, this is where it gets hard uh, because you have to carry a lot of energy on board. And uh, the more energy you carry, the, he the heavier the vehicle becomes. So there's a bunch of things to uh, waiting to be resolved. Uh, so with that, uh, with, with the sustainability requirement factored in, uh, the transportation, uh, the long-haul trucking game will uh, and is changing. Uh, and the, the, the core challenge here uh, is to make it both sustainable and cost-efficient and reliable also. Because I guess that's the tricky thing, right? If for a heavy-duty vehicle, if it were to be, you know, battery-powered, you know, it's probably a pretty big battery, right? Oh, um, you're quite right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Tesla they do not really disclose the uh, the weight of their battery, but uh, it would be fair to guess that it's around uh, ten thousand pounds. Or even more than that, uh, which, which is exactly the weight you have to uh, reduce your payload by. And um, as soon as you do that, your uh, tracking economics uh, really changes because the less payload you can hold, uh, the 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 more uh, well the, the the less effective you are. It means that uh, per per unit of um, payload, you have to make more miles with your vehicle. So what is so special about your technology? We are among the very few who try to uh, stay real in this uh, electri electrification um, electrification uh, hype, so to say, uh, because the truth is, uh, truckers and uh, fleet owners are um, often reluctant to switch uh, 
uh, to new technologies. Uh, so what we try to accomplish is uh, offer them the comfort of using the existing uh, infrastructure, the existing fuel stations, and on top of that, provide them with uh, a machine that is uh, superbly sustainable. That made us uh, move from a pure hydrogen truck, fuel cell truck. We started off as a uh, fuel cell truck company, uh, but real world challenges made us move from that concept to a multi-fuel truck, uh, which can run on not only on hydrogen, but on uh, methanol, renewable natural gas and other fuels. Why is it important? Uh, for several reasons. First, you have uh, the prices uh, fluctuate. Sometimes, um, sometimes methanol is cheaper. Sometimes uh, renewable natural gas is cheaper, and we want to give our customers this freedom of choice. Uh, but there's another dimension to it as well. I'm I'm a big believer in 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 the hydrogen economy, uh, not just uh, hydrogen trucking. The reality is that today, if I'm not mistaken, more than 90% of hydrogen is produced from, from natural gas, leaving a huge, huge um, greenhouse gas uh, imprinting. So it would be fair to say that today hydrogen is not the best, um, the best fuel in, term, in terms of CO2. But if you take for example, uh, renewable natural gas, and you have a look at uh, its carbon score. California Authority, they uh, issue carbon scores to different fuels depending on their uh, carbon intensity. And electricity and hydrogen, they don't lead there in this, uh, in this ranking. The reason being uh, both electricity and hydrogen today are produced from coal, uh, fossil fuels, um, just a small fraction is produced with uh, wind and solar. So right now, more sustainable fuels are are not hydrogen and not even electricity. Uh, but as I said, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in the hydrogen economy. And as we as civilization uh, learn to produce hydrogen from water with clean electricity, our truck will be able, and it is able, but our truck is fit to use clean hydrogen. I mean, really clean hydrogen. But for the time being, when, when we are not yet there, we offer our customers an opportunity to use clean fuels of today. Okay, so I mean, yeah, preparing for the future, because we might not be quite there with, you know, sustainable uh, or clean hydrogen at macro at a macro level yet so but i guess my mm -hmm. question from for you would be how, how could you how could you make it to where the vehicle could run on various different fuels like hydrogen and rng and methanol at the same time oh, how is I that see. possible i would like to call it a secret source but it really is not that secret uh, we use a, it, we have a range extended electric truck, which means that we have a small battery and we have um, a range extender. 
uh, and this range extender is a clean fuel fuel engine. Uh, technically speaking, it's a gas turbine engine. Gas turbines have been uh, known uh, for decades. They are very reliable, and it's one of the very few engines invented that can run pretty much on anything that burns uh, without any change in design or with very little change in design. State-of-the-art uh, gas turbines uh, produce bulk of uh, electricity for our cities. One of the tech challenges uh, that we are facing with uh, gas turbine applications, uh, application for, for, for our truck is that not too many people have tried to scale the turbine down to say uh, 80 or 100 kilowatt and uh, place it in the vehicle. It is possible and it has been done, but it has never been do done um, at scale uh, and it has never been done uh, cost efficiently. And that's what we're set to do. And these turbines can run on blends as well, can't they? Oh, absolutely. Like anything, you can blend it in any proportions, anything with anything. Of course, of course, uh, that's a very uh, bold statement. But I mean, uh, theoretically, it's possible to blend anything with anything. Uh, <clears throat> in reality, no one will do that because you have some standard fuels that will be used and our turbines will be uh, and are customized specifically for some fuels. Okay, Andre. So let me ask you your thoughts on the safety of hydrogen. You know, I mean, especially when we're, if we're talking about transportation, I mean, do you think it's safe for, you know, people to refuel with hydrogen by themselves or, you know, how is that, how is that going to work? Uh, well, that's a great question because uh, that's the question I'm asked most often by ordinary people. And <clears throat> here I, I have to say this, there's at least two dimensions to safety. First is real technical safety. And the second is perceived safety. Uh, what people think of hydrogen safety and perceived hydrogen safety uh, leaves much to be desired because people think hydrogen is very very dangerous but when it comes to its technical dimension I think we're in good shape <clears throat> because um, hydrogen has been produced uh, in volumes on an industrial level for decades and we have not seen any huge, uh, huge problems with that. Transportation is a bit more tricky. And by that, I mean that it's not more uh, hazardous. Uh, it's just costly to transport hydrogen, but it does mean that it's, it's uh, dangerous to do that. If all the safety measures are, are taken uh, care of properly, uh, I don't see much much problems with that. Uh, what makes me kind of uh, limited in my um, in my proof uh, in my ability to prove this is limited uh, uh, statistics because uh, the 
hydrogen transportation is not mature and we don't have a big data set uh, about uh, the accidents. Uh, but if we look at it uh, from the first principles, uh, we know that uh, gas is flammable. We know what uh, uh, safety measures uh, are being taken and it works, but still accidents happen. The same, uh, I think, will happen with hydrogen. Only with hydrogen, people uh, take much more precautions. For example, if you have uh, if you, if you have a look at uh, hydrogen cylinders technology, uh, they are literally bulletproof. Any impact uh, in case of any accident, almost nothing happens to the cylinders because they are very robust. You cannot compare it even, uh, even uh, by any means with a gas tank. So uh, if we continue to move with that level of uh, care, I don't think we'll face much much problems with safety. But it comes with cost, of course. Wouldn't, wouldn't something even like a, like a flow meter need to be, you know, adjusted and, you know, tailored directly for to, to be able to hold the hydrogen without like embrittlement or stuff like that? Well, of course. And uh, like you, you, all those nozzles uh, and ceilings uh, that you use for uh, ordinary fuels. Uh, of course, uh, they're no good for hydrogen. Uh, and that's another challenge because with hydrogen, you need a whole new infrastructure to be built and uh, a lot of investments uh, made into that infrastructure. And if we talk about fueling stations, I, I know I'm not answering your uh, your flow meter question uh, directly, okay. but, but, but uh, I'm trying to give a broader answer. If you take uh, the amount of investments needed uh, in vehicles, it will be just one-tenth of that needed for uh, hydrogen infrastructure. And uh, it, it literally means that we will need to build a parallel new uh, fueling system for hydrogen vehicles. Uh, my hope is that it will not be super expensive. But as far as I'm concerned uh, with uh, current regulations, uh, you cannot really make it cost efficient uh, because uh, there's a bunch of uh, restrictions on um, mobile, uh, mobile hydrogen stations. If there were no, limit, uh, no restrictions, people would be able to use uh, hydrogen uh, trailers uh, and move them from one place to another, and that would not be uh, too expensive. But instead, uh, most likely we will have to build uh, just uh, conventional stations uh, with uh, on the ground, which is uh, not only uh, expensive but takes a lot of time. Of course. So uh, back to your question nothing that is in existence now or almost nothing is good for use with hydrogen yeah and i suppose yeah like you said it's going to take some time to uh build up the infrastructure and get everything um how it needs to be to handle hydrogen um so it's the long game we're playing here right well absolutely and uh also i'm also i'm also sure that this game is uh 
is not even playable without uh, the government money. It's the government uh, who needs to take some lead at least in this game and uh, help businesses build those stations because one station, one hydrogen station, uh, it can, it's it's its cost can can be as high as several million dollars, not hundreds hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. So that's that's uh, and again the uh, ROI on such investments uh, it's not necessarily very high. So uh, only huge corporations can afford, um, I guess, can afford building many of them in, in the hope to get their investments back in like 20, 30 years. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you all have um, a small battery in your truck. So why, yeah. not just rely, why not just rely on batteries? Great question. Everything started with batteries, obviously. And while batteries is a, a close to perfect solution for uh, cars and smaller vehicles, they're not good enough for long haul trucks. And I, 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 I want to stress it long haul trucks, not regional trucks, but long haul, because uh, if you want to travel, uh, say 600 700 miles a day uh, the size of the battery you carry with you uh, will be at least 12,000 uh, the, the weight of the battery will be at least 12,000 pounds uh, which means that your payload is reduced by that amount uh, and for some applications that might be okay because if you uh, carry furniture uh, it's not very heavy, but if you carry water, beer, uh, beverages, uh, whatever, whatever is heavy, uh, you max out uh, with weight, not volume. And uh, many applications are maxed out by volume and uh, batteries will not be good enough to do the job. Uh, and obviously are not uh, good enough to do the job. That's one thing. And the other thing is uh, downtime. If you if you do a long haul, it means that uh, you're always on the road and you don't want to waste your time charging your vehicle. One hour of truck downtime is uh, costs uh, around uh, fifty to seventy dollars. And you don't want to lose that just uh, by doing nothing and waiting for a vehicle to charge. And while the marketing tells us it takes or it may take just one hour to charge the vehicle, in real life it's almost impossible because batteries are huge in trucks. And to charge it in one hour, you need a megawatt charger, which uh, is not yet in existence, at least in volume. Uh, uh, and when it will be, uh, we will have to uh, solve another challenge, which is: is our grid ready? Uh, uh, is our grid ready to uh, install those megawatt chargers? Uh, because that's uh, 
that's much more energy than is needed for a small town. And why do we take it? All that combined uh, makes uh, the case for pure electric vehicle uh, very, very challenging, very challenging. I think they're good for shorter, uh, shorter distances like 100, maybe 200 miles and for lighter loads, uh, but not for the long haul, uh, not for the heavier loads, uh, at least not in the coming decades. See, I always think too, because I mean, if I go to the gas station and I have to wait behind somebody, I'm like, man, this is taking up, you know, five, 10 minutes of my time. <laughs> Imagine needing to wait. <laughs> Imagine needing to wait behind, you know, another truck to fill their batteries. Like, oh, am I going to sit here for an hour to wait for them? That's a... Oh, oh, you are very <laughs> optimistic. In real life, you would have to wait uh, if, if you have just one charger and it's a uh, supercharger, for example, Tesla supercharger, you will have to wait, say, three, four hours at least. <laughs> that's that's half a work day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and don't forget, you have to pay your driver uh, salary for that time. Yeah. Doesn't come free. So, Andre, what, what are your thoughts on a carbon neutral future? Do you really think it's possible? That's a great and a tough question. I have to admit it. I'm not, I'm 100% sure that we will get to a carbon neutral future but I'm pretty sure we can get to a very low carbon future. There's no question about it. Uh, the, the, the real question is, uh, are we prepared to invest billions in that? And by we, I mean not only the states in Europe and large countries, but uh, the world, because uh, a lot of pollution comes from the uh, developing world and it's like uh, makes very little sense if someone uh, joins that uh, z uh, zero carbon race and someone does not. Uh, so the, the, uh, I, th I think it's a very systemic uh, uh, systemic uh, systemic issue that has to be, addressed on a, on a very high global level. Uh, but the short, the short answer is, I think we will be there because we don't really have a uh, choice. Fair enough. And do you see that timeline of what, 2050, 2060, 2100? Again, uh, timeline for what? Is there any end point uh, in the journey? I don't think there's any end, end point. Uh, we, will, uh, we will move uh, baby steps first, then we will accelerate, then, then we will find something else to improve in, the, uh, in, in this process. Because uh, it's, not only, it's not only CO2 emissions. Uh, if we look at a broader con context of, of things, it's also uh, NOx emissions that we have from diesel trucks and from automobiles. Uh, it's also the um, human uh, toxicity in, uh, index that we have to 
think about when we uh, speak about batteries production. Like what happens to our rivers and lakes when it comes to battery productions, production? What happens to uh, our lands uh, when we speak about when we install um, wind turbines? Okay, there's a lot of things not related to CO2 emissions that we have to address as well, and they are not really being addressed as well as uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, there will come uh, a time when we will have to do this as well. I'll give you a very simple yet telling example. You know those uh, wind turbines, they have um, huge blades made of some uh, composite materials, probably uh, carbon fiber. And what do they do when... Uh, the turbine uh, life is over. Do they recycle those blades? No, they don't. Mm. They they just bury them, and it it takes uh, it takes hundreds, if not thousands, of years uh, for those blades to decompose. Is that the approach, the sustainable approach, we're really looking for? Yes, we have uh, cut CO2 emissions uh, on electricity production enormously but uh, let's have a look at a broader impact and it, it sometimes it's very very um, negative so that's that's the approach we try to take with our trucks as well uh, it's not only the tailpipe emissions that we should should be taking care of it's the life cycle uh, emissions and impact that we have to look at Fair enough. Good answer. So, um, Andre, that's that's pretty much all I have for you today. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to get out to our audience? Well, I want to thank the audience for uh, listening to this because uh, the more of us are interested in, in this, uh, the faster we move. Uh, and I would just uh, say that uh, any small contribution any of, of us can make it does count it does count for uh for the final score thank you andre for joining us today i really appreciate it thank you thank you tyler for having me and thanks everyone for for, for your time yes as andre said thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of h2 tech talk thanks for listening to this week's show don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Email your comments, questions, and suggestions to tyler.campbell at gulfenergyinfo.com.